Chapter Six of Fame and Fortune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fame and Fortune, or the Progress of Richard Hunter by Horatio Alger Jr. Chapter Six. Mister Gilbert is astonished. When Dick woke up in the morning, the first thing he thought of was his watch. The next, the check which he had received from Mr. Rockwell. "I'll go to the bank this morning and get my money," said he. "How are you going to invest it, Dick?" asked Fosdick. "I don't know," said Dick. "I'll put it in the savings bank till I decide. That'll make more than eleven hundred dollars. I didn't use to think I'd ever be worth that when I slept in boxes and old wagons. Eleven hundred dollars at six percent interest will yield you sixty-six dollars a year." So it will," said Dick, "and all without working. I tell you what, Fosdick, at this rate I'll soon be a man of fortune. Yes, if you can make a thousand dollars a day. I wonder what old Gilbert'll say when he sees it," said Dick. "Who's he? He's the bookkeeper. He ain't very fond of me. What has he against you? He thinks I don't treat him with proper respect," said Dick. "Besides." He tried to get his cousin Roswell Crawford in, but he couldn't. Then it seems both of us have interfered with Roswell. He's got a place now. I guess he's the senior partner by the way he talks. The breakfast bell rang, and the boys went down to breakfast. Clifton was down already and was standing in front of the stove. Being an observing young man, he at once noticed Dick's watch chain. "Hullo, a hunter," said he. "I didn't know you had a watch." I didn't know it myself till last night," said Dick. "Where did you get it?" "It came from Ball and Black's," said our hero, willing to mystify him. "That's a nice chain, solid gold, eh?" "Do you think I'd wear anything else?" asked Dick loftily. "Will you allow me to look at the watch?" "Certainly," said Dick, drawing it from his pocket and submitting it to Clifton's inspection. "It's a regular beauty." Said the young man enthusiastically, "Do you mind telling how much you paid for it? How much do you think? A hundred dollars? It cost all of that," said Dick confidently. "If you see one for sale at that price, just let me know, and I'll buy it for a speculation. You must be getting a pretty good salary to buy such a watch as that. Pretty good," said Dick carelessly. Mr. Clifton was a rather shallow young man, who was fond of show, and had a great respect for those who were able to make it. When Dick first came to the boarding house, he looked down upon him as a boy, but now that he proved to be the possessor of an elegant gold watch and chain, and might therefore be regarded as in prosperous circumstances, he conceived a high respect for him. The truth was that Clifton himself only got two dollars a week more than Dick, yet he paid eight dollars a week for board. And spent the rest in dress. His reputation among tailors was not the best, being always more ready to order new clothes than to pay for them. While they were talking, the rest of the boarders entered, and breakfast commenced. Miss Peyton was there, of course. How did you find your friends in Madison Avenue last evening, Mister Hunter? She inquired. They were all up and dressed," said Dick. "They sent their particular regards to you." Oh, you wicked storyteller! Simpered Miss Peyton, just as if I'd believe such nonsense. Have they got a nice house? Be 
beautiful,' said Dick. "'I haven't seen any like it since I called on Queen Victoria last year.' "'How is the house furnished?' "'Well,' said Dick, "'as near as I can remember, there's diamonds worked in the carpet, "'and all the tables and chairs is of gold. "'They'd be rather hard to sit on if it twa'n't for the velvet cushions.' "'Ain't you afraid to tell such stories, Mr. Hunter? "'Mr. Fosdick, you'll have to talk to your friend.' "'I'm afraid it wouldn't do much good, Miss Peyton, if you failed to cure him.' "'Mr. Hunter has just been investing in a handsome watch,' remarked Clifton, passing his cup for a second cup of coffee. "'Oh, do let me look at it. I dote on watches,' said Miss Peyton. "'Certainly,' said Dick, and he detached the chain from his buttonhole and passed the watch across the table. "'It's a perfect little love.' said Miss Peyton enthusiastically. "'Isn't it, Mrs. Browning?' "'It's very beautiful, certainly,' said the landlady. She could not help feeling surprised that Dick, who, it will be remembered, had represented himself at his first visit to be in limited circumstances, and now occupied one of her cheapest rooms, could afford to purchase an article which was evidently so costly. "'Where did you buy it, Mr. Hunter?' asked another boarder. "'I did not buy it at all,' said Dick, deciding to let it be known how it came into his possession. "'It was given to me.' "'Perhaps you'll mention my name to the person that gave it to you,' said Mr. Clifton. "'If he's got any more to dispose of in that way, I should like to come in for one.' "'How do you know but it may have come from a lady friend, Mr. Clifton?' said Miss Peyton slyly. "'How is that, Hunter?' "'I haven't had any presents from any of my lady friends yet,' said Dick. "'Perhaps I may sometime.' "'You don't mean anyone in particular, of course, Mr. Hunter,' said Miss Peyton. "'Oh, no, of course not.' This conversation may seem scarcely worth recording, but it will serve to illustrate the character of Dick's fellow-boarders. Miss Peyton was rather silly and affected, but she was good-natured, and Dick felt more at home with her than he would have done, had she been a lady like Mrs. Rockwell, for instance. It got to be the custom with Dick and Fosdick to remain in the parlor a short time after supper, or rather dinner, for this was the third meal, and Fosdick joined the young lady in singing. Dick, unfortunately, had not been gifted by nature with a voice attuned to melody, and he participated only as a listener, in which capacity he enjoyed the entertainment. After breakfast Dick set out for the store as usual. He felt unusually happy and independent as he walked along. The check in his pocket made him feel rich. He wondered how it would be best to invest his money, so as to yield him the largest return. He wisely decided to take Mr. Murdoch, the head clerk, into his confidence, and ask his advice upon the point. When Dick arrived at the store, neither Mr. Gilbert nor Mr. Murdoch had yet arrived. Half an hour later the latter came, and five minutes after him the bookkeeper. The latter noticed that the morning paper appeared to have been disturbed, and glad of any opportunity to find fault with Dick, said angrily, "'So you've been reading the paper, instead of minding your work, have you? I'll report you to Mr. Rockwell.' "'Thank you,' said Dick. "'You're very kind.' "'Are you sure I read the paper? Is there any news missing out of it?' "'You're an impudent boy,' said the bookkeeper, provoked. He wanted to overawe Dick, but somehow Dick wouldn't be overawed. Evidently, he did not entertain as much respect for the bookkeeper as that gentleman felt to be his due. 
that a mere errand-boy should bandy words with a gentleman in his position seemed to Mr. Gilbert highly reprehensible. "'You're an impudent boy,' repeated Gilbert sharply, finding Dick did not reply to his first charge. "'I heard you make that remark before,' said Dick quietly. Now there was nothing out of the way in Dick's tone, which was perfectly respectful, and he only stated a fact, but the bookkeeper became still more angry. "'Who rumpled that paper?' he asked. "'Suppose you ask Mr. Murdoch?' said Dick. "'Did he come in here?' asked Gilbert, cooling down, for it was against Dick that his charge was made, and not against the head clerk. As to the paper, he really cared nothing.' "'Yes,' said Dick. "'Then it's all right. "'I supposed you had been idling your time over the paper. "'Go and ask Mr. Murdoch what time it is. "'I left my watch at home.' "'It's half-past eight, said Dick, drawing out his watch. "'Up to this time the bookkeeper had not noticed Dick's watch-chain. "'Now that his attention was drawn not only to that, "'but to the beautiful gold watch which Dick carried, "'he was not a little surprised.' "'Whose watch is that?' he asked abruptly. "'Mine,' said Dick, briefly, rather enjoying the bookkeeper's surprise. "'How did you come by it?' "'Honestly,' said Dick. "'Is it gold, or only plated?' "'It's gold.' Hm. "'Did you buy it, or was it given you?' "'Well,' said Dick, "'I didn't buy it.' "'Did you say it was yours?' "'Yes.' Gilbert looked at Dick in surprise. Our hero was becoming more and more an enigma to him. That a boy in Dick's position should have a gold watch given him, especially now that he had learned from his cousin Roswell the nature of Dick's former employment, seemed indeed wonderful. "'Let me look at your watch a minute,' he said. Dick handed it to him. "'It seems to be a very good one,' he said. "'Yes,' said Dick. "'I ain't proud. It's as good as I want to wear.' "'It looks entirely out of place on such a boy as you,' said the bookkeeper sharply. "'Perhaps it would look better on you,' suggested our hero innocently. "'Yes, it would be more appropriate for me to wear than you. "'You're not old enough to be entrusted with a watch, "'least of all with such a good one as that.' "'Perhaps you'd be kind enough to mention it to the one who gave it to me.' "'Whoever gave it to you didn't show much judgment.' "'said Gilbert in the same pleasant way. "'Who was it?' "'It was Mrs. Rockwell. "'If a bombshell had exploded in the office, "'it could hardly have taken Gilbert more by surprise. "'Who did you say?' he repeated, "'thinking his ears might have deceived him. "'Mrs. Rockwell,' said Dick once more. "'The bookkeeper could hardly suppress a low whistle. "'When did she give it to you?' "'Last evening.' "'Were you up there?' Yes. Did Mr. Rockwell invite you? Yes. Just then Dick was called away by Mr. Murdoch, who had some work for him to do. There's something mighty queer in all this, thought the bookkeeper. What Mr. Rockwell can see in that boy, I don't understand. He's an impudent young rascal, and I'll get him turned off if it's a possible thing. End of chapter 6